This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Rowan Pardasani, founder and CEO of Avana, an innovative wellbeing services marketplace and lead generation solution. In this first part of the interview, Rowan tells us how his legal background and dealing with cancer combined to design a health tech marketplace platform focused on helping people like him to navigate healthcare on terms that made sense to them. We cover topics such as the definition of consumers today and words like well-being, as well as what modern practices are looking for with their client loads. For example, the type of new clients and what's needed to support them under NDIS, assistance with getting NDIS registration and new client support offered by Avana to achieve just that, and registration or professional standing and its role in acquiring new types of customers such as business to business or government clients via the marketplace. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Rowan. How are you doing today? I'm good, Yanni. How are you? I like to think every day is a good day, and uh, today is no exception. Although I do use uh, statistics to average that out, you know, so uh, I'm not completely uh, insensitive to sometimes the moments of the day that aren't that great, but on average, it's a good day. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, it's a bit cloudy um, in Melbourne today, um, but if that's the worst I have to deal with, it'll, it'll be a good day. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. So, um, Rowan, a um, bit of an interesting journey. Uh, I want to sort of uh, take a few moments just to sort of unpack the journey that brings you into health tech because you, you haven't sort of followed a health pathway necessarily, or maybe you have, but um, your academic and um, prior professional background is in law and somehow you've ended up in health tech. So I'd be interested to hear um, how that happened. What, what was the journey like for you? So like, like you said, I was a lawyer, in particular an M&A and, and capital market lawyer in in Melbourne. I had a, a couple of health clients, but probably wasn't really the, the driving force behind my transition into Avana. What I was was, you know, a working professional in a high stress industry. At the same time, I also uh, was suffering from cancer. And I guess through that experience um, as a, I guess, a user um, of health services, I found myself, I guess, looking for ways that technology could assist me. And in particular, through connecting with health and wellbeing providers, um, not just in allied health, but across allied health, natural health, uh, fitness and massage, really to assist me uh, with respect to support um, from a, a cancer recovery perspective, but also through the lens of a lawyer and and many of you know my colleagues who were working long hours and his well-being was usually at the bottom of their list of priorities, just looking for a way to make it really easy, really seamless for them to connect with the right well-being service for them. So that's how I got into Havana and um, 
that was probably in 2018. Uh, so 2019, I quit my day job and and started Avana full time. So it's still been a very short journey, given you know the way and the speed that health tech moves. Absolutely, I was I was going to say the same thing. Um, health tech uh, innovation does take a little bit more time than the average bear, but. Um, so you, so you sort of encountered um, what it was like to be a consumer of um, healthcare, and in your marketing, you talk a lot about uh, well-being, uh, which you, I think, you've just sort of summarised there as allied health and um, uh, and some other uh, categories. Uh, but I think that is a bit of a distinction between where Avana sits in the ecosystem versus um, uh, some other uh, online booking type um, platforms. So was it just that personal experience that you had that you realised as a consumer that you needed access to a certain array of um, uh, wellbeing uh, healthcare service providers? Is that why you chose that or did you find that your personal experience opened your mind to um, people much like yourself who um, defined your persona that you're designing for? How did, how did that context around wellbeing come about for you? I think it's a combination of all the factors you've spoken about and also one other, um, which is just understanding the other, like you said, technology marketplaces or or booking platforms out there. Um, But I guess the key drive for me was really what is the right service for my needs? A lot of it comes back to that. And that's, I guess, really um, more focused around understanding you know what is my condition or what are the symptoms i'm feeling and how does the different landscape of health and well-being providers assist or how can they they help you know the example i always give is around let's say back pain um there's so much information and misinformation um when you go and google how do i treat back pain and there are so many different practitioner types who play a part, you know, whether it's seeing a physio or seeing a chiro or trying acupuncture or trying osteo or just getting a massage. All of these different services, you know, treat or manage conditions related to pain or or back pain in this example. So which is the right one for me? So that's what it's always come back to. And I guess through the experience of Ivana, I've realised that, well, they all play a part and for different people might respond to different uh, modalities or different therapies and understanding that, okay, well, well-being actually means something very different to each of us and how can we bring all of these well-being-focused therapies together on one place to give one our users choice but also guide them through a journey or provide recommendations based on what they've already experienced, based on what's worked for them and, and what hasn't, and try to help them, you know, take that next step. Um, the same could be said of, you know, mental health, you know, you know, psychology versus counselling versus, you know, other therapies. How do they all fit together? You know, I read a, a stat or I should say, one of my physiotherapist friends told me, you know, I think it was three or four years ago, and I don't know how relevant or how up-to-date this stat is, but at that point in time, you know, 7%, he said, of the population actually understood what a physiotherapist did. And for me, that really kind of cemented in my head that 
you know, there's a, a lot that people don't know. Um, and if that's the case in relation to something which is relatively mainstream, like physiotherapy, then, you know, what are people thinking about atropathy and, you know, acupuncture and, and these other therapies? So that's really where it, we understood that there were really good marketplaces and booking platforms in medical um, side of things and the specialist side of things. So Hot Doc, Health Engine, um, first available and other other plays in that space and also in the beauty space with you know bookwell and 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 others so we really were and are currently trying to sort of carve out a niche in well-being um you know for the reasons reiterated um so that's very much our market focus and that's kind of what we want to be the one-stop shop for for health and well-being well, that's probably a good segue into sort of explaining the um, the Avana platform or the marketplace as you describe it. So, um, let's break it down. Um, what I suppose there's with every marketplace, you've got a demand side and a supply side. So, the consumer is somebody who um, is wanting to find um, a pathway uh, into a well being realm uh, to be able to book and attend and. Uh, follow through with um, with support. Is that a fair summary, or is there is there sort of something else that you would describe there as far as the uh, consumer experience is concerned? Yeah, I think on the consumer experience, it, it probably it's worth mentioning like who is the consumer, and I think our thinking around that has probably evolved quite a bit, you know, in the last three years. So when we started, you know, we saw the consumer as a traditional B two C. Uh, working professional, working parent um, who is looking to fit in, you know, a health and wellbeing appointment at some time within their busy schedule. So they were looking for a marketplace that could provide real-time availability, uh, that could provide on-demand booking in a way that they were experiencing on other platforms, whether it was in the restaurant, you know, delivery side with Uber Eats or booking a holiday or, you know, booking a flight. It's on demand. You know, there's no checking with the practitioner to see if they're available. If the appointment, if Ivana says they're available, then, you know, I'm going to rock up then and that's it. Over time, that core experience hasn't changed, but what has changed is who the user is or who the intended user is. And we see a massive opportunity also for NDIS participants, aged care clients, and, and businesses, um, and when I say businesses, I really mean employees. Um, so that's, I guess, the consumer side. But I, I think you're accurate in terms of, you know, your assessment of the actual technology it, itself. So the um, original the, the original definition is the um, a person who wants to find a, a, what they would define as a well-being community of healthcare providers and if I could just sort of summarise what I um, heard you say, there. so you you now have experienced um, a more definition around who that who that uh, customer is, so to speak. It's uh, either an employee within a uh, business. Um, it's uh, somebody who is um, seeking out NDIS support. Uh, somebody in aged care, um, or you know, everyday Australians um, looking for healthcare. So that's that's. Um, that's uh, a lot of a higher resolution view of the customer. What's sort of giving you that insight? Is that sort of what you're seeing as the um, 
at an analytical level or you're seeing sort of a trend um, in one particular way since you founded the business? Probably more from understanding our practitioner side of the marketplace, excuse me. So what I guess we found, and it probably really kicked off around COVID um, and, and what we've seen, especially over the last sort of 12 months, is health and well-being practitioners. And, and Yanni, you can tell me if you're seeing something else, but what I'm seeing is that there's really two areas of growth they're looking for, both personally and professionally. In terms of professionally, they're looking for more diversity in caseload. Um, it's more fulfilling if you're working with different types of clients or different types of patients, um, whether that's, you know, an injury in the morning or, um, you know, an, a professional, I've worked professional in the morning or an NDIS participant in the afternoon or, you know, travelling um, and, and also with respect to the service delivery type. So am I seeing them in the clinic? Am I going out? On a, on a home visit or into the community to um, to service the client, or is it done like we're talking now online? So practitioners want a good mix, both in terms of client type and service delivery type. And the second thing is, like a lot of us, um, post-pandemic, we value flexibility in terms of when we work. And a lot of us want to maximise utilization if you will and profitability in a smaller number of hours so it's understanding or using our technology to understand what is the right type of client for a given period of the day and what is the best delivery mechanism you know when does it make sense for you to do your home visits in a manner which actually maximizes your profitability as a business and limits your working hours and that's what our availability technology is really driving and trying to do. It's trying to analyze, okay, well, if I want to service NDI's participants, does it make sense to do it, you know, early in the morning when I'm already seeing private clients? Or does it make sense to do it in off-peak times? If it makes sense to do it in off-peak times, how long is it going to take to travel out there? These are the sorts of questions we're trying to answer at Ivana. Um but before that, you know, a lot of that actually presupposes that our practitioners are actually ready to deliver those services. So the other thing we're doing at Ivana is actually helping register providers so they become registered NDIS providers and, and approved providers of um, aged care under the aged care system. And that's what's really validated our thinking around, okay, well, this is actually what the practitioner wants they wouldn't want to get NDIS registered if they didn't want to provide services to persons with disability, if they didn't want that diversity in caseload. And a lot of them are coming to us and saying, well, what's next, right? I've got the registration. How can Ivana help me to actually get these clients but actually get them kind of when I want them? And that's really what's driving us every day. That's, um, that's a, a really interesting approach. Um, I don't think I've spoken to anyone in the industry who's thinking about it in, in that level, um, particularly when it comes to, I guess, the initiation of a client journey through healthcare, um, which uh, the Ivana platform represents a, a gateway, um, you know, a one-to-many one facilitator, so to speak. So 
if you're going beyond um, scheduling uh, or appointment bookings and actually defining the um, quality system that's needed within the practice in order to marry that up with the type of uh, client or healthcare consumer, um, I think that's a very unique uh, idea. Uh, so on the NDIS side, just, just to make sure I'm, I'm understanding it. So you're actually helping your, uh, your, your supply side of the marketplace, the health provider to, uh, get themselves registered for, uh, NDIS compliance. Um, what does that involve? Talk, talk us through that, that idea. Yeah. So at the outset and. I think any marketplace needs to understand how we can connect and how we can provide value to both sides of the marketplace. So we saw NDIS registration or assistance, I should say, with getting NDIS registered as a key hole um, in the market or a key opportunity, I should say. Providers come to Avana inherently because they want more clients, but have they thought about the best way of doing it? Um I can get you new client opportunities and I can get you new leads. So that's where it came from. So in order to get NDIS registered, I put my lawyer hat on and I realized that, well, in order to meet these practice standards, you know, clients, our providers needed to have policies which met the NDIS practice standards, but they needed more than that. They needed a professional service because they're all really busy individuals. You know, they're trying to run a healthcare practice, which has no shortage of challenges, as you're aware. So how can we make this really easy and really professional for them because they're time poor um, and, you know, they they deserve that level of, of quality and level of care. So our service is really from start to finish. So we will sit with you. We'll work out the registration groups you should apply for with respect to NDIS. We'll draft policies and procedures which are tailored to your um, business type, whether you're a psychologist or a physiotherapist or a, a disability support worker. We will um, work with you to get the information we need from you, whether it's your resume or a police check or a working with children check or an NDIS worker screening check. And we'll, we'll help you to lodge the application. We'll help you with the answers. We'll do everything. We'll do everything you need to get registered. We'll coach you through the audit. We'll sit behind your shoulder. If the auditor wants any changes to the documents, we'll we'll get them done. So our whole service is intended to be end-to-end. There's not meant to be anything that you need to do to become an NDIS provider. We we provide it. And we we've thought of everything and every contingency. And um we're so confident, I guess, in terms of our service that, you know, if you don't get the registration at the end of it, you know, we give you your money back. So um, from that perspective, um, we've been super successful and we, we think that it's really important uh, for the reasons I've said, like you need to be able to service that. Um, you need to be able to think of new business opportunities, new ways to get, you know, clients through the door, both because it's good business sense, but also because, it's it's what gets us excited to actually come to work, you know, that diversity of, of caseload. So 
That's great. So um, I can uh, remember this flurry of activity just pre, pre-lockdowns um, trying to, well, the industry was trying to come to terms with NDIS and quality and safeguarding and what have you. And um, it, it, was a, it was an interesting time, which I think is still playing itself out, uh, where, uh, you know, that, that hurdle or burden of having to think through what do I need to do now as a, as a health business owner in order to become registered or to comply with um, the uh, quality and safeguarding framework with uh, NDIS. So the uh, being able to offer that as a, not just a package service, but as a um, uh, ushered or supported service um, that you were sort of alluding to there, I think a lot of health businesses would um, would really value that. Um, what's generally been the take up within your marketplace? Because um, I uh, note on your website you have a pathway for businesses, health businesses, to be able to um, uh, set themselves up within the Avana marketplace. Uh, and um, what have you seen typically? What, is it sort of you know fifty fifty? Is it eighty twenty? Is it sort of you know what kind of what kind of response are you getting from the market as far as that NDIS registration is concerned? It's been incredible. It, it actually drives it drives a lot of the marketplace. Like people know us independently of the marketplace now, just for NDIS registration, which is great um, because both it, it sort of feeds both sides of the marketplace because they can come to us as a wanting to get NDIS registration, and then they realise, well, okay, Avana can potentially also get me clients and vice versa they come to us wanting clients and we can say to them well have you thought about ndis registration as a way of also achieving those goals so um they've been sort of there's been this sort of synergy and um a, a multiplier effect if you will where at the end of the day um it's a it's obviously helping persons with disabilities incredibly rewarding so i would do it in any case but if you can actually provide you know services around um client generation and do it in a way where it's sort of risk-free um you know our marketplace model is a commission-based model so if we can't actually get you a client for your available appointment times then there's no cost um from the perspective of the marketplace um, it's it's pretty com- compelling. Um, so a, lo- a lot of the time, a lot of my work really is trying to better integrate um, the two services, but um, to kind of get that picture on the wall of that more integrated marketplace system that, you know, we've been chatting about. It never ceases to amaze me the characteristics of a founder and how they express themselves within uh, within the business. So uh, you sort of uh, being a consumer of healthcare services and then seeing a problem uh, in how challenging or difficult it was for you to navigate uh, between different points of care and sort of build a team of uh, health and wellness providers to support your needs, how that then passes on to now drawing on your legal background and your legal experience to deal with um, a um, fairly heavily regulated uh, component of healthcare. Well, healthcare generally is quite regulated, but NDIS is um, has a lot more rigor in in the way that's been thought through in order to um, provide uh, a 
a, a proposition to Australians who are in need of that kind of support to feel safe and um, and and expect a level of um, a level of service. Um, so you being able to marry those things is really, um, um, you know, it's very noteworthy, pretty pretty impressive um, in that regard. That you you're not confining yourself to just thinking about bookings, uh, but how you can actually support uh, the journey of a client who's looking for a certain type of healthcare support, and then how do I actually make that easier for the, um, the businesses that are listing uh, on the uh, on the marketplace uh, to be able to meet those types of obligations and perhaps overcome the the fear that I think a lot of uh, allied health practices were experiencing uh, around registration with uh, NDIS, it was it was seen as such a big piece of work and a very daunting piece of work, um, not just for their business to comply with it, but then the training and the support that that was needed for uh, team members. So it sounds as though you've actually thought that through and productized in such a way that um, it's uh, easy to adopt, uh, easy to implement, and um, your collective expertise, both legally and regulatorily, is able to be now distributed across your network of um, uh, business partners that are in the network. Is that sort of a fair a fair summary? Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent correct, Yani. And I think um, the challenge is is really to, as a marketplace, is to kind of position both sides of the marketplace for success. Right. If if it's just leads or if it's just NDIS, then that'll get old quickly. So we're constantly thinking about new ways to improve those core tenants tenants of what we see as driving healthcare business success. And for us, that is you know understanding your customer and understanding the ways that they can interact with you and who they might actually be and 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 from a provider perspective it's understanding how can technology and how can government funding and how can accreditation uh assist me to achieve those goals um and how does that all work in the context of you know a recession if that's happening or you know changes in ndis funding you know how how can we stay nimble so our providers can, um, you know, reap the benefits of, of that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, there's just so, so much we could unpack with this. Um, one of the things that um, is kind of emerging within the investment sector, uh, not just for health tech, but just uh, generally, uh, is um, innovations around the um, environment, sustainability and governance, or what they call ESG. And um, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, the investment community is um, a little bit polarised around why would you invest in these things. But um, what seems to be emerging is that consumers value well-governed businesses, businesses that are actually thinking through um, the way that they operate and why they operate a certain way, what's their purpose, etc. So having that kind of, um, uh, I guess, benefiting from a regulatory framework like the quality and safeguarding um, framework that's been uh, put forward by the uh, NDIA um, and then translating that into a way that you could actually uh, retrofit that into your, into a modern healthcare business. There's a great deal of value there, not just in terms of you operating a business in a, in a quality system, but also how that impacts your branding and how you're positioned uh, in the marketplace of consumers. And, and, you know, when we talk about NDIS, for example, you've got a very empowered consumer, you know, and, and NDIS, uh, 
uh, participant um, has uh, funding approved to be able to meet their needs and they're making choices around where they're going to, you know, um, spend that funding and who they're going to partner with. So being able to assure them that um, not only will you support them from a healthcare standpoint, but you also have a high quality uh, business operation um, is bound to add some value uh, into the way that that business is uh, differentiated, perhaps with an unregistered healthcare business that is also trying to support. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think you're correct. Um, I might be a little bit biased, but I think the whole sector is moving towards registered providers for the reasons you've sort of elucidated. So the key one being quality. Um, it's very difficult to, uh, pardon qualitatively assess quality without, you know, the documentation that, you know, around policies and procedures and governance frameworks that it can provide. Um, and I think just to pick up on your point around who is it ultimately of value to, well, yes, it's of value to the NDIS participant, but the, the practice standards themselves talk about aspects which any high-quality healthcare provider should have, you know, systems around, you know, uh, board governance and clinical governance, feedback and complaints, continuous improvement. We codify those things in, in policies and procedures which are not just relevant to NDIS participants but are relevant to good, high-functioning um, businesses generally. And that's attractive not just to NDIS participants but it's also attractive to those other consumer types we've described. So it's it obviously appeals to a, a B2C consumer who's covered by health insurance, let's say, or, or, or doesn't have health insurance to know that they're going to a a provider with you know high quality policies and procedures. It's incredibly attractive, uh, and we think it's a gateway for the provider to provide um, services to um, employees of, of of businesses because the businesses are effectively directly or indirectly making a representation to the employee that um, the healthcare provider is of high quality. So it's obviously the the standards are incredibly valued to NDIS participants, and yes, they are written from that perspective, but any good healthcare organisation should be meeting a lot of those things and should be more importantly not just meeting it, because I'm sure most of your listeners are, but they should be codified somewhere. And, and that's the part where providers who do all the right things can sometimes find themselves in, in trouble if it's not codified. Yeah, and um, and yeah. infused into the culture of the uh, of the practice as well, so that Correct. documentation uh, and I guess the substance and form match up there, um, uh, as opposed it's to. It's not having, about just writing them and putting them in the in the bottom yeah. drawer, as, as yeah. you would say. It's about living them. So. Absolutely, living them. Um, so, um, so that's that's quite a revelation uh, there, Rowan. I think um, you know it's very understated as far as your current marketing and position um, as at the date of this recording, anyway. So, um, I think that's something that you really need to talk about more and, and bring out within your uh, your marketing on the Avana platform. I think there's a lot of allied health business owners out there who would love 
uh, a, a relatively cost-effective um, ushered pathway towards NDIS registration status. And I do agree with you that um, in a general sense, um, what I'm seeing um, you know, over the last 12 years of working with um, healthcare business owners is that um, there is a more diverse type of client that a typical practice is dealing with. It's not just private clients or not just private health insurance clients or not just Medicare clients. Um, there's a lot of different types of uh, clients now in healthcare uh, because of the way the payers are structured and NDIS is huge, obviously. So having that kind of um, diversified uh, uh, capability to be able to support different types of clients in different types of payer contexts seems to be a, a feature of a modern healthcare practice. And, um, and as a result, I could um, assume that beyond NDIS registration, there might be some other opportunities for you to box up or productize um, similar types of uh, governance frameworks that can be um, infused into a practice to support those, uh, uh, those, uh, those different types of client cohorts, so to speak. Is that part of your vision or do you feel like uh, NDIS is... Is a, big, um, is a big piece of work to implement at this point in time. Next week, we pick up the discussion with Rowan covering NDIS registration, support and training offered by Avana, drawing on Rowan's legal background, the benefits of integration into Core Plus as a primary clinical engagement tool and defining the future of client journeys in healthcare. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.